Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us for our monthly podcast here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Lynn DeVenny, a North Carolina State Bar Certified Paralegal employed by a plaintiff's civil rights firm, Elliot Pishko Morgan in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, I do a little bit of everything, workers' compensation, personal injury, immigration, social security disability, all kinds of interesting civil litigation. I also uh, speak frequently at CLEs, which is something I really enjoy doing. And I uh, blog for the paralegal profession at practicalparalegalism.com. And I'm Vicki Foyson, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal, calling in from a very snowy Charlevoix, Michigan. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies, and more information about that is available at paralegalmentor.com, where new subscribers receive my 151 tips for your career success. And like Lynn, I enjoy speaking, presenting CLEs, and also presenting online courses for uh, legal support staff. Now, before we get started, a big thanks goes to our sponsors of the Paralegal Voice, Redacted from Informative Graphics Corporation, automatic redaction for your digital documents. More information is available at redact.com. NALA, a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at nala.org. And also Clio, web-based practice management software at goclio.com. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and to share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources that we think you'll find helpful in your careers and everyday jobs. We'll also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. On today's show, we'll discuss paralegal ethics. That's one of my favorite topics with lawyer humorist Sean Carter. Sean is the founder of Lopsided Seminars, a company devoted to solid legal continuing education with a healthy dose of laughter. Each year, he crisscrosses the country delivering his Lopsided Seminars to more than 100 state and local bar associations, law firms, in-house corporate legal departments, and law schools. For more information about Sean, go to lawhumorist.com. And welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good to be here with you, Vicki and Lynn. We really appreciate you uh, taking time to be our guest today. We're excited about the podcast. Uh, first, I'm going to ask you, uh, what inspired you to become a lawyer? Like a lot of lawyers, this is so sad, but it is so true, so cliched. I saw the movie To Kill a Mockingbird. And I remember sitting there at six years old and thinking, you know, if I could be this type of person. Because remember, Gregory Peck was so amazing because he, he defended someone he didn't know. And he, he, he worked for this guy tirelessly in a great defense. And I'm thinking, you know, if I could be this type of guy, this is who I want to be. And I'm so serious about it that at six years old, I started dressing and parting my hair like Atticus Finch. <laughs> exactly. We'll this want is pictures. 1973. 
I'm running around the inner city, and I've got a drab grade three-piece suit on, um, and it's a 70, so I have a big afro, but I have a part in it. I'm very serious. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, it, it got to be a little different because I got to actually be a lawyer, and it wasn't quite, um, uh, every, every day wasn't quite a To Kill a Mockingbird moment. Uh, yeah, that's probably the biggest disillusion for um, most of us in the legal profession. Um, just really quick, did you ever want to be a stand-up comedian? It sounds like maybe not. You knew what your I, life score was. I, when you were I six. did. I did, but in but in my family, you know, there there basically not a lot of options. I come from one of these families where education is a really big thing. Um, you either become you know a doctor or a lawyer or the black sheep. And uh, seriously, I mean, you know, if you get a master's in engineering, we might allow you to come to Thanksgiving, but you have to sit at the kitty table. You know, very, Aww. very serious family in that regard. And so if you would, I would tell my parents at that point I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, that would have been fine, provided, you know, at six or seven years old, I was able to get my own job and make a living myself. Or a new family, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was always the dream, of course, but it never quite worked out for me. <laughs> Okay, Sean, tell us what you like most and least about being a lawyer. You know, the the thing I probably enjoyed most about being a lawyer, and this is sad, but it is that there was a, a modicum of respect about being a lawyer. And that even if people tell jokes about us and, and, and they generally, you know, think bad things about us, there is some respect. And I'll give you a great example. If you go to a cocktail party and you're a lawyer, People would ask you, what do you think of the latest Supreme Court decision or the elections and that type of thing? Now, I never really realized how big that was until I became sort of a civilian, a regular person. You'd find this hard to believe, but people don't ask for the humorous advice about much. And and I also find that, you know, there's some advantages of being a lawyer. People just treat you differently. You know, when I walk into, say, a bank and want to get a loan on any given, say, Tuesday, um, you know, they they don't respond to you as well when you're a, say, a legal humorist as when you're a partner in a large firm or associate in a large firm or even a receptionist in a large firm, to tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, I do miss having a, a stable place in the community. Uh, that's pretty much about all of it I miss. CLEs are continuing legal education presentations for our listeners who don't use acronyms a lot. Um, they have a <laughs> reputation for being fairly dry, and I know that because I've tried to talk about HIPAA and the present value of future claims, and that's not very entertaining. Um, how did you discover that you have a gift for comedic legal education? Just like everything else in life, totally by accident. Um, you know, I've heard once that you know, if you ever want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, and that has certainly been true in my life. At, at the age of about 35, and I have a big-time corporate vice president job. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing, and I start having this midlife crisis. I want to do different things, and 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 I basically, you know, try to work my way through this midlife crisis. And I have a couple of choices: I can have an affair or a career change. At the time, I thought a career change would be cheaper, and my <laughs> wife would appreciate it more. It turns out that that's actually the opposite. She would have preferred the, the affair, and we'd still have a 401k. But that's beside oh. the point. <laughs> I decide I'm literally going to quit my job and become a comedian, not a legal humorist, not a CLE provider. <laughs> I'm going to be a comedian. I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to tell jokes to drunks. And I'm very excited <laughs> about that. I really am. And on my way to you know international stardom, 
I happened to run into a lawyer who says, hey, you know, you're funny and you do these, we have these boring, boring CLEs, and you should come do CLE. And my first reaction is, no, I'm an artist, I'm a comedian, I, <laughs> I, I, have, a, I, 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 was like, I have a thing here, I'm not going to prostitute my art for your silly CLE. And then he told me what it paid. And, and it wasn't a lot, but it was a lot more than I made on a Tuesday night in a comedy club. And so I said the infamous last words, I'll do this one time. And at present count, that was about 595 times ago. But I'm done. After this, I'm done. No more. All right. This is one of the last ones. <laughs> I'm not doing any more. <laughs> last podcast ever, right? <laughs> after this week, I'm not doing any more CLEs. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> and, and I have to confess, you know, I'm so glad that someone found me on the way to, you know, telling jokes to drunks. I love CLE. I love the fact that I, the people I get to serve in, in this regard, you know, I, I work with legal professionals for the most part. I, I like legal professionals. I like the fact that, 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 that we're largely trustworthy people. My handout materials often have my address on it, my home address, because I work out of my home. Do you think I could hand my uh, home address to a bunch of drunks in a, in a nightclub somewhere? Right. You know, in in the entire time I've been doing this, and this is literally, you know, six, five, six hundred events for a couple hundred different organizations. I get paid, you know, half up front and half at the end. And if I don't, if you don't have the money when I get there and I give the speech, I can't repossess the talk. Right. It's, it's over. Now, given that, how many times do you think I have not received my entire fee in all these times of doing it? In round numbers, how many would you guess? Round numbers. Round number would be zero. That, that is agree. the correct number. <laughs> now, no one listening to this podcast, all six of them, have ever, because <laughs> I'm on, and have ever, ever, okay, been working in an organization that has a 100% collection ratio. No law firm has that, but that's because lawyers don't usually work for lawyers. The people I work with are incredibly trustworthy and wonderful people. I love them, and I get the opportunity to, in between the jokes, actually say something from time to time. Once again, drunk people are not really happy with you doing that, right? But I can, I, I can do that. I can in, in, inject you know, points between the jokes because that's what it's for, CLE, and it was just a wonderful mistake on my part. Never would have chose to do it, but it worked out well for me. Well, Sean, I do know that people don't go to Vegas to, uh, for legal education. They're there to have a good time. So it's a good thing you're <laughs> delivering that. But you do have a great list of CLE topics ranging from legal writing to stress management. And you even talk about creating an environment where all employees actually enjoy coming to work, which sounds wonderful. So what do you think is the biggest challenge for legal staffers today when you consider job satisfaction? What's their biggest challenge that way? I think, I think if, if you let me give you two answers to this, the first is, and this is one that I suffered from, is that we take ourselves so seriously. I, for years, years, I thought everything I did was a matter of life or death. And I would run around my firm literally telling people that what I did was a matter of life or death. And, and, and so, give me an example. I used to do these mergers and acquisitions. And because they were huge deals, I thought they were important. I, I confused the two. And so often, I'd run around and I'd send out a fax. By the way, let me take a step back. Lawyers never sent out faxes back then. 
we had rooms full of young people who were smart enough to punch in 11 digits. And by the way, <laughs> there's some young people here, like under 40. We used to have fax machines. All right. I know you don't believe this. It wasn't always PDF. You couldn't just attach the document to an email. You actually had to use a fax machine. Look it up on the internet. Look it up. It, it, it's there. So the point is this, is that I would run and send to the fax room to hand the fax to the person to send. And one day the young woman, Cindy, looked at me when I res- gave her the command. I said, Cindy, this has to go. It's a matter of life or death. And she looked at me and said, Sean, if I don't send out this fax, will someone actually die? <laughs> exactly. And I thought about it. It took me that long. I was 30-something years old, and I realized, you know what? Cindy, other than you, no. <laughs> Poor Cindy. <laughs> At least you were truthful. And, and, and it occurred to me that everything I dealt with in 10 years of practicing law, everything was not life or death. It was an issue of money. And here's the best part is, it wasn't my money. And I think oftentimes we get ourselves in these things where we think that you know, we're so important. And I always try to remind lawyers, and, and this applies especially to, to paralegals and, and all, all legal professionals, you know what? Chances are excellent. Your firm is going to be open on the date of your funeral. Oh, if you want anybody depressing. to come from the firm, <laughs> I suggest you schedule the, schedule the funeral during non-billable hours. All right? I'm just making and, a note to myself. Us, go ahead. I don't know if there is such a thing. 6 p.m. Yeah, really. (laughs) And many of us work for firms in which the name partners are long since dead. Now, if we can all go on without them, they probably can go on without us. I mean that even, by the way, for paralegals who have sort of a solo practice, my theory is is that you might be holding your firm back. Your assistant might be able to run with that thing if you get out the way. (laughs) And the truth (laughs) of the matter is that so often we take ourselves seriously. That's the, the one biggest problem. And the second biggest problem, I'm just going to touch on this very, very shortly, is that, you know, firms can very oftentimes become places that are very, where, where the people become interchangeable. We become spokes and a wheel. And particularly over the last few years, we've seen this where part, I go to do retreats all the time, where partners, people who are called partners as if they have a relationship to one another, don't know each other at all. I can't tell you how often it is that they'll ask me, what office am I in? <laughs> these are people who, exactly. These are people who are in a, a partnership together, all right, and have no clue who one another is. And so often we find that, and that extends all the way down and up the ranks of a firm. And I always just encourage people to, to, you know, to, to if you want the place to be more enjoyable, then find a way to connect personally with people. We, we, we don't mind staying late for our friends to work hard with our friends. If we're going to be somewhere 40, 50, 60 hours a week, I think we want to be able to connect. And if we do that, then I think it's easier than, than, than the way it's been. I agree, Sean. I have had a great supervising attorney for almost 20 years now. And um, I think one of my, uh, part of my job satisfaction comes from having such a great relationship with him and kind of knowing what we do and, and feeling appreciated. Um, what what would you tell paralegals um, who are, are working and aren't feeling so satisfied with their job? Um, what What is something you might suggest that they do if they want to find greater job satisfaction? Can I, I uh, give another two-part answer? The first part is very simply this, okay? One, quit. And and, and I mean that in this sense, okay? You could, oftentimes, you know, for me, I remember for years, I I would have this dissatisfaction. I remember once I went to a seminar 
And the guy says, if you were to win $40 million in the lottery tonight, would you show up to work on Monday morning? And I thought to myself at the time, I wouldn't show up on Tuesday, the following <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> I see how bad it was. I wouldn't even have gone back to pick up the pictures of my wife and kids. Truth be told, I wouldn't even have gone back to pick up my actual wife and kids if I left them <laughs> in the office. Now, don't get me wrong. I would have sent a limo for them. I love them, but I'm simply saying I was disgruntled. Here's the thing is, now that I do what I do now, I would do what I do for free. Now, we're going to have to edit that out because I don't want that to go out on the airwaves. All right, but it's true. I love what I do. And if I won $40 million, where I would be tomorrow is Sacramento, California, where I've contracted to be today. I love what I do. So if there's something that can give you that joy and satisfaction, you can do it. And here's the thing is, you could do it within the law. See, I didn't have to stop my, give up my legal education, all my skills and experience. I was just able to serve people in a different manner. So that's one possibility. The other possibility, because that's drastic, is before you quit, think about how you can make it interesting for you where you are. And, and that's what I mean coming back to this thing about connections. You know, we, we sometimes lament the fact that other people aren't so friendly. Boy, if there's other people would just be friendly. And sometimes, you know what that means? It means for us to be friendly. It means for us to take an interest in people, all right? <laughs> Make them your Facebook friends. Like their comments, all right? Ask them to lunch. How about this? Learn the names of their children. And, 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 and by the way, none of the names of your own children while you're at it. And have some connection with people so that it isn't just a place where you go to pick up a check, but it's a place where you go to see your friends. And, and that sounds like a, a, a you know, simplistic thing, but, but I got to tell you, for me, I'm much more willing to do things for people I like and people I don't. And unless you hit the lottery, it might make sense to like where you go every day. Right. And and I totally agree with you. When you when you get to know people better, you like them so much better. <laughs> and I I do know that I I've for the most part worked with great attorneys, but there was one in my past who never asked a single question about what anybody else in the office was doing about their kids, <laughs> their vacation, anything. He was more than willing to tell us about his new boat and, you know, where he was going that weekend and all that. Never asked any. And, and you know what? He wasn't really well liked. So it is. You, you do need to have that exchange. And I really think I really uh, like that tip. Now, I'm asking for another tip. What about dealing with difficult supervising attorneys? Do you have any tips for that? Well, yes, and you mentioned it a minute ago, and it, and it works not just for difficult supervising attorneys. It works for difficult assistants, difficult check out people at the grocery store. And this is simply, simply it, is that all of us, by definition, are, our favorite topic is us. When you called and said, hey, will you do the podcast? I thought, wait a minute, you get to, I get to talk about my favorite topic, me? For, I don't know how we're going to get all this in a half hour. I love the sure. Okay, I'm happy to do this. Same way with the partner you just told me about. And it also happens with everybody else you meet. And, and, and so what I'm saying is, is that, you know, you, you want to cater to that. You know, ask that partner, hey, that, that, that difficult attorney. How are you doing? Ask them about their lives. And here's the other thing about it is to also give them the one thing that nobody gets enough of, praise and appreciation. Once somebody once said that 5 billion people on the planet go to bed every night hungry for food, but 6 billion people go to bed every night hungry for a sincere word of encouragement and praise. 
and we can prove it now. Lynn, Vicky, one of you just shout in right now and tell me which one of you is so sick of all the praise and appreciation you get. Are you kidding? <laughs> you, you can't stand it. One more person tells you how wonderful you I'm are. I'm nauseated how by it. You are. <laughs> if, if your kids one more time tackle you at the front door, mommy, mommy, I love you. You you freak out. No, sure. right? None of us absolutely get that. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, we we like that, don't we, Lynn? Oh, absolutely. It we love nice. that. And here's the thing about it: it's, it's amazing. Is is that praise need not be sincere to be effective? Because some people are thinking, "Wow, you don't understand the jerk I work for. It's hard to praise this person." You don't have, and I don't mean that you say it sarcastically. I mean simply this: nobody ever can see through flattery. Sometimes with our bosses, we think, "I don't want to flatter them because if I do, they'll think I'm kissing up and they'll think it's insincere." Let me give you a little hint: we don't care, and 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 nobody is nobody's smart enough to see through flattery and praise. And I'll give you just a great example. One of my best friends, a guy I love the most in the world, a guy named Quincy. I can tell you a hundred stories, but let me just give you one quick one. One of the reasons I love Quincy so much is that over the last three years, according to Quincy, I've lost several thousand pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Every time this yes. guy sees me, he acts like he says, oh, you lost 20 pounds. Even if I've gained 15, <laughs> do you think I'm ever upset by that and say, you know what, you're just saying that because you want free barbecue at my house. How dare you tell me that I lost weight when I've gained weight? What is wrong with you? That is never my reaction. I love Quincy every time. <laughs> if you have a difficult person, you know, and here's the good thing about it is, and you think it won't work, it will because of this reason. Nobody else is flattering this fool because he's difficult. Right, and we and everybody else hates them. <laughs> if you're so the only a, person that's nice to them, boy, what a difference it makes. So it's okay to say as this difficult attorney goes by your desk, nice tie, fool. No, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hurt at all. And, you know, and I, I sometimes you, I've had people push back and they say, "Oh, that's insincere." But here's what I've I, I've learned in the context of of, of 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 marriage. All right, you can either tell the truth or be happy. They're not. They're not. Um, they're, they're mutually exclusive options. You and, and, and think about it, this. Applies to both genders. But there is no way in the world you can stay happily married to someone telling the truth all the time. The truth isn't what they want to hear. All right. When I when I come in and say, to my wife, you know, hey, you, you know, I've got this tape. How'd you like that speech? I don't really. I'm not looking for her to tell me what was wrong with it. There are other people to do that, like the audience and the sponsors, right? <laughs> There's some people I'm looking for encouragement from. And, you know, one of the things that, 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 that makes our marriage work well, and we've been married 19 years, and we're from California. That's a state record. Absolutely. And, Sean, I think you, have, you raise a good point. You know, you can always find something to compliment coworkers or supervisors on, whether it's the nice tie or a job well done or, you know, um, letting you know what your priorities are. I mean, you can you can find something positive to oh, say on any, a regular any, any basis. Time. Well, that, that's um, exactly it. Uh, you know, imagine if 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 my wife was coming to me yesterday, she's going to church, and actually the night dress dress she was going to wear was was beautiful. But 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 well, let's say we're at church and we can't change now, and and someone comes to you and says, "Hey, do you like my dress?" Even if you don't like the way it fits, you can say it's a nice color. You don't go to the bad parts and buy it, right? It's just not, it's not even polite to do. 
And I think, you know, we think sometimes that, the, 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 you know, we tell the truth and, and we speak the truth in, in love, as, 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 as we like to say in the religious circles. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes flattery is more loving. Sean, those are great ideas. I really, really agree with you. And now it's time to take a quick break. When we return, we'll continue our discussion with lawyer humorist Sean Carter. So now a word from our sponsors, Redacted, Nala, and Cleo. Nala means professional. Nala offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And Nala's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. Nala works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why Nala means professional at www.nala.org. Are you still redacting paper documents with a black marker and a trip to the copier? Electronic redaction is more efficient, more accurate, and keeps the document text searchable. Redact-It makes it easy. Instantly search documents for words, names, or common privacy information like social security numbers. The software automatically creates a new rendition of the document as TIFF or searchable PDF, leaving the original safely untouched. Download a free 15-day trial of Redacted Desktop today at www.redact.com. That's R-E-D-A-C-T dot com. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the role of security in cloud computing. Jack, what about security? Are there any ethical or security-related concerns that need to be addressed with cloud computing? We're starting to see the first ethics opinions come out on cloud computing, and the early proposed ethics opinions like that from the North Carolina State Bar indicate that there are no ethical issues relating to the use of cloud computing in a law firm, but that as with the use of any third-party provider, an appropriate amount of due diligence needs to be undertaken to verify that the provider you're using has implemented an adequate level of security and privacy precautions and is essentially taking due care with your confidential client data. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and we're joined by lawyer humorist Sean Carter. We're talking about paralegal ethics. So, Sean, you also have a popular talk that you've given to paralegals, and it's called Thou Shalt Not Lie, Cheat, and Steal, The Ten Commandments of Legal Ethics. We don't have time to talk about all ten today, unfortunately, but let's talk about some of the key areas. Thou shalt not gossip. I love that one. Um, It's hard not to get sucked into office politics and juicy conversations out of work, about work, outside of work, you know, when you're standing around at parties and people ask you things that they shouldn't. Um, What are some of the riskiest areas for paralegals to stray into dangerous gossip and how can they avoid these temptations or risks? I think the two areas, one you just mentioned is, you know, the cocktail party gossip. Now, that doesn't happen for most of us. If you've been, you know, doing the closing documents on a subordinated convertible debenture deal, 
nobody cares, all right? And, and that's going to be simple. But sometimes if you do do work in family law, criminal law, in areas in which people might have an interest, and, and God forbid you have a high-profile client, it's fun to tell people and to be big and important. It's really no fun to do big and important work unless other people know how big and important you are. But you always run that risk. And it doesn't even matter if you try to, you know, change the names and say, oh, well, you know, the company we work for, it, 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 it sounds a lot like uh, Hycromard. People will, will, will see through that. You know, we can't give these types of, of, way, of ways to do that. The other thing I think, and this happens so often, is we accidentally disclose information just being careless with the Bluetooth. I've been in the supermarket, you have too, and someone is talking on their Bluetooth and they're having a conversation that is way too personal for the 10 items or less line. It's way too personal for their doctor, right? And you wonder why in the world would someone choose the grocery store to have this conversation? Here's what happens. In their mind, the Bluetooth sucks up all the sound. (laughs) It doesn't? You couldn't possibly have this conversation that personal if you thought other people next to you were hearing it. They just don't think of it that way, and, and, we, and, and, and legal professionals do that as well. You're in Starbucks, and you're just having a conversation, and you think, well, because I can, I'm the only one who can hear the other person, certainly nobody else can hear me. And it just doesn't work that way. And there's a very famous case, and you guys know about it, about an attorney in uh, San Francisco who was overheard talking on the train, mm-hmm. I think about layoffs, and that yes. word got back to everyone. Right. Not a situation. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that that attorney didn't think I'm telling the entire train about these layoffs. They simply were careless. And so that's the other thing is very important is not to be careless about those things. Well, Sean, you have one that I particularly like, and it's thou shalt know thy stuff. And there's a lot of new stuff to know these days with, you know, <laughs> increasing specialty areas and technology. So how do you counsel paralegals to handle this knowledge implosion? And and that is another thing of really being diligent. And and here's what 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 I always say is is to come to the realization always that you suck. And 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 I and I, I'll put it in a way that maybe makes it easier because the listeners no one wants to hear that. So let me say it this way: I suck. Now I don't think that I suck at my job. And sometimes when I'm up there giving my talks, I think in my mind I'm really good. Let me tell you how I know I'm not is because I, they, they, they record me at work. Now, the truth of the matter is, for most of your listeners, they get recorded at work too, but they don't tell them. They actually show me the tapes. They put the tapes on the internet. <laughs> and five years from now, I get to see a tape. So five years, for instance, today, I get to see a tape from me five years ago. And I look at the tape and I literally cringe. And I think, I should give the money back. Now, I never do because I've already spent it. But the point is, is that... My prayer for everyone is that five years from now, you should look back at what you do and say, I suck. And the goal is, is that for, from now until then, to get to that point where you're that much better. Because at five years from now, if you're as good as document preparation, as client intake and interviews, and in any respect of the job you have now, if you do that as well now as you did five years from now, you've wasted five years. And there has to be a process that says we're not just doing CLA. See, it's called CLE, but the truth of the matter is it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as continuing legal education. What everyone does in our business is CLA, continuing legal attendance. The requirement to pass my seminar 
is to be alive at the end of the hour. There's no requirement. There's no requirement that anyone learns anything. And as a result, people come very often with no intention of learning anything. And even for those three who came to learn something, there's only a few hours a year that you're required to do CLE. But you know, if you if you do whatever your state is, 15 hours or 10 hours or eight hours of CLE, and that's all you do. It's all you do in working on your skills. It, it's not enough. And so what I encourage people to do is to set some time apart. I set apart two hours every day of time that I spend working on my skills. And sometimes it's just reading, right? It's reading so that I actually have something to quote. And the only way to have something to quote is actually to have read someone who had something to say. (laughs) So a great example is this year, I made it my goal to become educated and read the 100 greatest books ever written on Wikipedia. But on Wikipedia. I'm reading the Wikipedia entries of the 100 greatest books ever written. (laughs) I'm not ever reading another book again. (laughs) (laughs) Um. You think I'm kidding. Today, I read Pilgrim's Progress on Wikipedia. Wonderful book. John Bunyan. Oh, incredible. Christian, the main character. See, I know things about this book that, by the way, I wouldn't know if I actually read it. Because the person on Wikipedia summarized it much better than I could read it. But the point I'm trying to make is, on a serious note, is that we want to work on our skills. And the other reason I think you want to do that, to my client job satisfaction, there is nothing that feels better than being really good at what you do. I can't get amen on that, huh, sisters? Amen. Yes. Got it. (laughs) And the only thing that feels worse than that feels better is being really bad at what you do. Because, oh, you know, don't, don't, <laughs> we'll edit this part out, but I, I, I don't, I, I've given in my career one or two talks that weren't quite where I wanted them to be. And there was there's no worse feeling, all right, than walking out of a room and people being disappointed and you being disappointed. And so my encouragement to people is that, you know, to keep up that high level of skill, you, you want to work at it all the time, continuously, not 15 hours a year, you know, 150 hours a year. And, you know, then I know it takes some time and commitment that it's harder for a lot of you because you actually have jobs, right? <laughs> but yeah. it's worth the effort. <laughs> um, Sean, I have the unique, um, I mean, the unique position of asking you sort of a multifaceted question uh, because we'd love to talk to you longer. Uh, and for people who would love to have you come and give this speech um, about the rest of the commandments, um, we're going to talk about how to get in touch with you. But I am just going to ask you sort of quickly, off the cuff, uh, one sentence you would tell us, um, thou shalt not lose thy mind, you know, help, and who would play you in a movie, and how do we get in touch with you for questions and speaking engagements? All right. Those three things. Um, Very simply, this: you can't serve others if you're not physically and mentally healthy yourself. Don't take yourself so seriously. Make sure you, you, you keep your mental health together, it's not really that serious. Two, as far as who would play me in the movie, the obvious answer there has to be Denzel Washington. Um, Ooh, okay. We look so much alike <laughs> in my mind. And um, it's either him or my wife would say it's probably J.J. from Good Times. But it's one of the two. <laughs> and the second, I think, or the last piece, how to get in touch with me, um, that's pretty simple. Chances are excellent as you drive away from the office today. Um, I'll be standing under a freeway over underpass somewhere with a sign um, saying, we'll joke for food. Also, <laughs> I can be reached on the Internet at lawhumorist, 
all one word, lawhumorous.com, or you can reach me on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash lawhumorist, or Twitter, lawhumorist. So as long as you remember lawhumorist, you can find me, or Freeway Underpass. Either way. I think I'll choose Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Sean, we really appreciate your being with us today. This has been great fun. And uh, we hope you'll join us again sometime. For our listeners, Anytime. if you Oh, great. Well, you're, we'll you're take great, you up Sean. on it. Yeah. Definitely. We'll get to the other commandments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you missed out my favorite ones. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And, oh, um, and thou shalt at call my office? client back in. So we got to do part two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know our take listeners care. will want that. Yeah. Thank now, if, for our listeners, if you have questions about today's show, please email them to the paralegal voice at gmail.com. We're going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. We'll be right back, so don't go away. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551- 9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is a time when Vicky and I give our practice tips and social media tips. Vicky, you want to share a quick practice tip? The practice tip I have for today is one that every paralegal needs to do, Lynn, and that's always be prepared and uh, it has to do with electronic devices. Always be prepared with those. The worst thing you can do is, you know, be planning to make phone calls or use your iPad or whatever, and you uh, need a charge, and then you can't do do some of your work. So what I, I think you should do about that, and this particularly... Um, uh, pertains to phones is, is first of all get an extra battery you know you've spent a couple hundred dollars on a phone maybe even more than that and it, it's only good when it actually works so spend just the extra money on an extra battery and charger carry it with you I keep an extra battery and charger in my computer bag so I never forget them when I go on trips um, I only did that once and I happened to be in Australia and try to find a new charger for your laptop that works um, the other thing is to get extra car chargers and leave them in your car or your cars and, and charge up every time you drive, especially if you're using that GPS mode on your phone, because that'll take the power down really fast. And you should maybe keep one of those in your travel bag because you can use them when you are uh, renting a car, you know, when you're traveling. And the last thing is to charge always on downtimes. For instance, charge when you go to bed. That's really a no-brainer because you're going to wake up, your phone or, or whatever device will be charged, and maybe even at your desk when the phone is just sitting there, keep it charged that way. So basically, this month's practice tip just reminds you to do everything you can to always be prepared. What about your social media tip, Lynn? 
your tip actually segues into mine. Um, I was assisting uh, my supervising attorney or one of my supervising attorneys at a hearing last week. Um, and first, um, I had my iPad. We were both using iPads and I had my iPad charger with me, which she needed because hers was on a low battery. So looked good as the uh, paralegal having that charger to loan her. Also, uh, another attorney in the uh, courtroom, as I was laying out my wireless keyboard and my iPad for the hearing, um, which I used to take notes and we showed videos on our iPad, the uh, one of the attorneys in the room came up to me and said, you're, you're using your iPad for this hearing. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, you know, I have an iPad, but I only use it for fun. And I'm, I kind of looked at her and I think I was thinking to myself, well, fun, but there's so much professional uh, things and apps that you can use. And um, I just kind of laughed and I said, well, give me a quick call after the hearing or read my blog. But um, it reminded me, you know, social media is not just a way to maintain online personal friendships. It's also a way to learn. Um, a lot of legal professionals get iPads. I get a lot of email going, hey, what should I put on my iPad? And first I'll say, go to my blog and look at Paralegal iPad. Or um, there's a lot of great technology blogs out there that will not only get you up to speed, on what you need to load now, but we'll keep you up to speed as new apps become available and attorneys use their iPads in increasingly more creative ways for work. So, you know, if you're not, um, and I think this ties back to Sean's uh, advice, you know, to always uh, spend some outside time developing your career, uh, but set up that RSS feed reader if you haven't done it yet. Put some technology blogs in it, even if you don't like technology that much, because it's coming for you. Uh, and it's a great way to kind of learn in a pain-free, uh, quick kind of way. Uh, even if you just devote 15 minutes a day or 45 minutes on the weekend uh, to catch up on your practice and technology reading. So that's all. I've got for today. And that's all the time we have for the Paralegal Voice today. Uh, don't forget to check out the show notes on our respective blogs, uh, paralegalmentor.com and practicalparalegalism.com. This is Vicki Voison. And I'm Lynn DeVenny, thanking you all for joining us today and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.